LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Marguerite Hayden of House of Hayden. Marguerite is a clothing designer whose ethos is on sustainability within the fashion industry from the ground up, specifically how we as a community grow fabric and dye fabrics. She's also very interested in exploring the technical side of fashion by looking into different industries such as 3D printing and laser cutting for garment creation. She recently relocated from sunny Miami up here to Chicago. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this fun little conversation with Marguerite Hayden of House of Hayden. So today we're sitting down with Marguerite Hayden of House of Hayden. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Awesome. So tell us what you do in one to two sentences. So my ethos is on uh, sustainability within the industry from the ground up, um, how we grow fabric, how we dye fabric, and looking into the technical side of how we can start using different industries like um, 3D printing and laser cutting, so that way we can eliminate the waste and create better work conditions throughout the industry as a whole. Interesting. So we recently met at a networking event a couple days ago. We did. You came up from Miami to Chicago. Mm-hmm. To give us that story, what kind of brought you to Chicago since you're obviously new in town? So I came up um, because of a promotion in a different industry, and Part of me was a little hesitant because I've always been in Miami and I know a lot of people there within the fashion industry. But I just, I did a little research on Chicago and it's such an up and coming fashion city that it just felt like a really good move. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as I got here, I started looking online and Instagram and different social media to see where I could get my first step in. Wet, wet my toes, if you will. <laughs> so, as an outsider, what is kind of your perspective of Chicago fashion so far? I spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about kind of my opinions, what other people are seeing. What are you seeing here in 2023? So, I think it's really different by neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, in Miami, everybody's kind of meshed together. And here, it's really a subculture, almost like New York. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So... Where I am on the other side of the river from us, it's a little more business casual. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody here seems to be really put together, which I like. There's thought to it, and I don't know if maybe that's also partly the weather, because you're yeah. layering. Um, but it just looks a little more dressed, mm-hmm. and I love it. Whereas here, where we are, even just walking in, there was a girl in this beautiful layered tool dress, and it's a little more of, I'm going to be comfortable in what makes me comfortable, yes. not not what maybe is expected. <laughs> That's exactly how I dress today. I was downtown earlier and I had like a button up and like slacks on it. Now I have like, you know, whatever slacks and like a t-shirt. <laughs> well, that's what makes it fun. I think that's another really great part about thing about Chicago is that, especially with the weather throughout the day, you, you change your clothes, which 
I think is really funny because my dad and I um, are a little bit more old school, mm -hmm. a little bit older, and we got really into the show Down Abbey. And the one thing we both really loved was when they would, the scenes where they'd get ready for dinner, they'd go and get ready for dinner. Mm -hmm. Or if they were going outside to go on the lawn or go hunting, they got ready for that thing. And I've noticed that a lot more in Chicago that we're dressing for the occasion. Mm -hmm. um, which is really fun because throughout the day, you can feel comfortable in all different things um, and kind of express your mood in that moment. I don't experience that. There's definitely been times when I was working in the office where I had something to do at night where I wanted to wear a jacket, and like a suit jacket. And then everyone at work's like, oh, do you have an interview today or what? I'm like, oh, like, why is that the first thing that crosses your mind? How do I have something to do after work? And I just didn't want to go home. <laughs> like, it takes time to commute here in Chicago. <laughs> it does, because I learned taking the wrong train so in addition to that, kind of what you've experienced, how has been, how has your experience been uh, getting to events, et cetera? Because like you showed up to mine before we even met each other, which was awesome. We had an awesome experience. So how has it been for other events in town that you've attended? So like I said, I'm new here. I've just been doing kind of the grunt work, if you will, mm -hmm. was being my own assistant. Hey, I found this, or this looks really interesting, or um, even with the networking events, seeing some of the things they're doing and just showing up. So I guess for me, I used to be a little more reserved in the fact of, or maybe imposter syndrome. I don't know enough, I'm still learning. Am I gonna say the right thing? And as I've gotten a little bit older and gone to more events and met more people, I've learned nobody knows exactly what to say yep. and nobody's 100% <laughs> ready, but you're always gonna be at zero if you don't show up. Mm -hmm. So it's almost putting on a fake bravado when you first get there. Even at your event, you saw I was a little more reserved at yeah. first, and by the end of it, I was, you know, almost playing um, the, the game where, where yeah. the chairs go around and they pull one. And I was like, oh, time's up, okay, next chair. Um, but because of that, you have to realize that at the end of the day, we're all human, mm -hmm. um, which is another big ethos of what I'm trying to do in the industry. So putting yourself out there allows you not only to be seen, but to see so many more people. It's really interesting to me. I started taking a lot, like a setback more at events and doing more people watching than like I used to. Because I usually know, if I'm watching an event right now uh, in the fashion world, I would probably know 20 to 90% of the people there. Just because I've been trying so hard to go to events, introduce myself, stay connected, remember people's names, etc. But even then, it's like you meet someone new, it's like you ask them, like, what do they do in fashion? And then they just like stare at you after they answer. It's like, what did you expect me to ask you? <laughs> like, did you expect me to sell you insurance? <laughs> I, I can do that too if you want. <laughs> but it's, it's good. I think people are really making an effort. There's quite a few different organizations that are making a good push for it. And so I'm just trying to figure out where I fit in and go from there, but. Yeah, and I think, I think everybody does that. Whether <laughs> you're new like me, or you've been around the block once or twice and know a few people, because there's been times I've met somebody and we've had great conversations <laughs> and it wasn't the right moment for us. And then I ran into them at a show and we talked about another project we were both working on and sure enough, it was the perfect fit. <laughs> which is incredible. So like you said, it's remembering people and remembering what they do. And just because you don't get a yes today doesn't mean you don't have a yes tomorrow. Right. 
So I think about that all the time. I think just building a good relationship for like the long term is kind of where it's at. I think you'll learn too. There's quite a few people in town, like any industry, who like don't like each other, and it's like clearly just on like principle of some interaction they had years ago or they heard about someone say something from years ago and I'm trying to be like super nice to like everyone there's definitely some people that rub me the wrong way but I don't let them know that I don't walk in and say hey last time I saw you totally irritated me and did this and this right I have like a prime example so you leave this person's name out right but I went to a casting call the other day to walk instead of like to help with like production told the team hey I'm here to walk give it a try They're like okay Show my comp card to someone. So I brought a comp card. This one person offered to tear it up for me. I'm unsure if I was joking or not, but it was in front of like all the other models who were walking. It's like, we have a great relationship. What prompted you to say this to me? <laughs> yeah. And I think also with that, I always try to take this idea of 100%. Mm-hmm. But giving 100% doesn't mean that you're having a 100% day. So if your day's at 40% or your day's at 60%, as long as you're giving 100% of what you have, Mm -hmm. that's what's so important. But on the reverse of that, especially in this industry, because it's looked at with a fine tooth comb and, you know, it's that perception of beauty and, you know, feeling good and confidence. Where where are they at? You might be having an 80, but if they're having Mm -hmm. 60, it's it's not going to be exactly melting. But just knowing that they're giving what they're there for. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to think about it. I kind of rubbed it off as like, oh, I know they're stressed because what they're working on right now, et cetera, et cetera. But like, maybe don't say that in front of everyone else. When it's like, I'm like already embarrassed. I'm trying to like walk for the first time for this group of people, and I know them pretty well outside of that. But either way, enough of my problems. <laughs> Let's talk about your, your your problems, your challenges. So, what is like the project you're working on right now with your line? So I actually just finished it. Okay. Uh, we were in the middle of a huge zipper snafu, <laughs> so it had to take a seat back till we got the right ones. But what I was working on, or am working on, finishing up, is um, actually a winter coat. Okay. But what's really great about it is it's done in pieces and layers, so you can change if it's a vest or if it's a coat, if it has sleeves, if it doesn't, the, the cuffs, the collar. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it was, especially in this industry, we travel to so many different climates and we see so many different people mm-hmm. that when you pack, you have a little suitcase, usually because who wants those check fees? That's very true. But you're allowed to wear like that one thing on and stuff it up in the uh, overhead compartment. So that's kind of where that idea came from, especially someone being from Miami where everything's so light and then having to move here and realizing oh, you can buy a big suitcase, but you can only fit three things in yeah. it. Um, where I could fit half of my apartment in the mess of Miami. Mostly <laughs> bikinis, but you know. Um, um, but so that's where the idea came from. And it also was this idea of it fitting you. Um, the tailor I was working with has been working on this really great new concept for measuring. Mm-hmm. And it's not just measuring, it's also about the density of a person. Because we may have the same arm length, but depending on the width of it and where we carry our weight, Mm -hmm. it changes so much. So working with him on getting the sizing done in that way, it's really great because now it's a piece that you're going to keep for a while. So again, with the sustainability. Um, 
we throw so many things away, especially with fast fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and I really try to be conscious. I try to thrift. In fact, my favorite place ever to first shop was Chateau Honey. Okay. And for any of you that have never been there, um, it's probably because you don't know my Nana. So my <laughs> Nana was Honey, and she was a buyer for many years mm -hmm. and had just the most beautiful, amazing closet. Always looked perfect. And she would bring us into her closet, and it would even be when we were little, because we couldn't either close it, a brooch or a purse, or maybe she took a fun eyeliner to us. And it really allowed me to learn keeping things, because she'd mm. had things for so long. And then as I got older, she had these beautiful vintage, Ralph Lauren, beautiful tailored pants, but she was a little larger than I was, mm. so she says, I'm taking you to my tailor. And I remember after they did the fitting and we went back, the way I felt in those pants, because mm. they were for me, I still have them. They are probably now reaching 50 years old. <laughs> um, but it was the quality of the fabric. It's taking care of them. It's appreciating them. So you don't have to have an extensive wardrobe. You have to have things that make you feel extensive, which I think is really important. Interesting. So to that point, so let's say people want to be sustainable and start doing thrifting, right? Good job. But at one point, just on math alone, they'll fill up their closet. Yeah. What, do, what is the process from there? I'm not at that point. Like, I definitely want to rotate some stuff out. I already planned for what I'm going to donate. I guess on my floor right now. <laughs> but it's just more just like, yeah, I had this in high school. Like, maybe it's time. <laughs> um, so for me, sometimes, so companies like Madewell, mm -hmm. They do things where, okay, you can go and get new jeans and get a discount, which I think is really great. Or um, clean out your closet and they send you bags and you can put everything in there and they'll find a way to sustainably um, recycle it. For me personally, because I use fabric and designs, what I do is I keep some things mm -hmm. and they get transferred into my um, textile collection. Okay, cool. So I'm repurposing it. Um, which I think is really great. Mm -hmm. So maybe getting in touch with other designers or even schools. So like I was really lucky when I went to MIU, we had a source room and it was old fabrics or old pieces. So maybe donating it outside of the box of your traditional donation mm -hmm. because now it's gonna be this new beautiful piece where they, especially going to school as a fashion student, it becomes so expensive for your projects. Um, Actually, Alexander McQueen did a really good thing with St. Mary's where after a couple of years, if you're graduating, so for your final piece, mm -hmm. you can go to their source room and get stock um, material that is no longer being used by them. Interesting. That's like, yeah, being a student goes a long way. Like yeah. I, I went to the Dominican University uh, student fashion show, and hopefully it doesn't come across as judgy, but there were definitely some students you could tell that budget was an issue. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, like, maybe just, like, time was an issue because, like, they didn't finish sewing or something. But you could just tell, like, the fabrics that they had available were different than some of the other ones that were on stage. And maybe this came down to what they had from a monetary perspective. Yeah. They didn't have, like, a room like you're describing right now, like a sourcing room. Yeah, so I think it's really great also to do things like that or mm -hmm. find designers who are just starting out. Just, just speak with them. Maybe, maybe they say no, but um, my dad always said to me, Marguerite, 
the worst place you'll ever be by asking something is exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. So why not see if you can go where you want to? That's really, really intelligent, actually. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Blown away by that. It's <laughs> <laughs> not you to ask a lot of questions. So, so I'm in, interested in the, the, the zipper situation. If you can explain that on audio. Are they like hidden zippers or like what was the issue at hand so with how they, yeah. yeah, they're invisible hidden zippers. Okay. But most hidden zippers only have you know, they have the clothes and yeah. the zipper that goes all the way, but we needed them to be on both sides. Right, okay. So we tried to do it a couple different ways and then we ended up ordering um, like a zipper kit and just pulling zippers apart and refascinating them. Um, interesting. So yeah. that way it would be able to come all the way off. Uh, we thought about maybe using some new different uh, materials that they have out, like some of the Velcros or the magnets, but we really wanted to make sure it was fully secure, especially when you're traveling. You're, you're so busy that if something bumps or falls off, maybe you don't notice it right away, and then how far back in the airport are you going to go? <laughs> Hopefully, which happened before security, because... Good look at that. Then you're really gonna wait a while. Have you do you have any experience with magnets? I'm a big science guy, so I respect magnets in there, but I've not had any experience with clothing and magnets. So I haven't used them as fasteners, mm -hmm. but I actually had a couple and I used them as weights and skirts. Okay, that makes sense. Um which were really great until you walk by your fridge. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> so just to make sure it's not a stainless steel fridge. Uh, but I like them for that because it doesn't pull the same way a traditional metal will on the inside, which is what I like about it. Yeah. It's a little smoother. It doesn't have that, like, you guys can't see my hands, <laughs> but I'm rubbing them together with the <laughs> So walk me through more of kind of uh, additional sustainability things you look at on sourcing the pieces you're working with. So not thrifted, but if you're going to make your own. How are you kind of choosing what you're working with from a fabric, et cetera, perspective? So I've done a, little, a lot of research on okay. fabric. Um, one of the fabrics I really want to get my hands on is Pinatext. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of no. it. No. So Pinatext is a fabric made from the leftover tops of pineapples after they harvest it. Okay, interesting. And they emulsify it down and put it back through, and it's... Um, vegan leather pretty much, but they can emboss it to look like all different things. But what I really like about it is you can also put like a metallic on it. Um, looking at things like um, Fox Klein. So she's out in California now, started out in Arizona, um, maybe has farms in both. Uh, but she specializes in colored cotton. So a lot of people don't know that a lot of the fabrics we use that we bleach actually do come in different colors. Mm -hmm. So to help with not as much dyeing, um, I actually just got a book on how to dye using natural um, uh, natural byproducts. Um, I had a really good friend who's actually a mixologist and did a lot of his own batching. And him and I would have conversations. He'd be like, oh yeah, I did this, but I had to use this vinegar to set it, or I had to use this um, acid. Mm. Um, and then playing with some of that to make sure that the color really stays. Interesting. And you, with those kind of processes, do you have issues with getting the color you want or just kind of figuring out the correct formula to get there? 
a lot of it is a trial by error. Fair, okay. And sometimes you're going for a color mm -hmm. and you end up with something completely different, but it's one of those, as Bob Ross would say, happy accidents. <laughs> um, it's one of those very big happy accidents. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to, I remember when I first started doing things with like the skins of avocado, you originally think, oh, it's going to be this really great green, or mm -hmm. maybe I'll have some dark purples because you're going to let the skin like age a little bit. For anybody that's curious, it comes out pink. Yep. <laughs> um, not green, so it, it will change the color concept of your of your design, as I learned. Yep. Um, but it turned out to be really great, so instead of using it as like the base, I ended up keeping it and using it more for like florets. So it's, again, those happy accidents. And then we had to go back to the drawing board and I had to figure out how to do green. <laughs> that's, it's, it's interesting though, I think a lot of people uh, when they hear sustainability, I, I hope it's shifting more in general. They're just like, I'm gonna just save this or like not throw it in the trash. Like that's that's my sustainability, but it's not coming from like a sourcing perspective and really understanding where they're getting it. Like a lot of people get caught up in fast fashion, and I get it. That's what the industry is, but you have to be supportive of people who are really all about it. And so. That's why I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, and, and another way to be sustainable, there's some really great um, homegrown designers that are starting to do things where they will just produce their sample pieces mm -hmm. and they're not producing until things are ordered. So sustainability isn't only about where you're sourcing it from or if you've saved it, but how much are you producing? I know we've all heard the story of the high-end luxuries burning everything, mm -hmm. but maybe save it a little bit less then you could have used those resources in another area, maybe not even within fashion, but it could have helped out the community. Um, and sustainability, even with where we're producing these things. There's this really great architect um, named William McDonoghue, um, and he actually was one of the founders of C2C from Concept to Cradle. And one of his factories, it happened to be a tire factory, it was his concept factory for this, is completely sustainable. It runs on eco-energy, mm -hmm. so the walls are lined with vegetation, which is what like cleans the air, but they have this amazing garden on the top for their cafeteria for the workers, but anything that doesn't get used, they end up giving back just to the local community. Interesting. So I think sustainability for me isn't just sustainability in the sense of what is the norm, but it's how are we helping the community? Mm -hmm. Are we giving back? Are we saving where we can? Because we are going to make new things. You, Fashion is art, right. and you're going to use material. It's and so it's that thought of where are we getting it from? Mm -hmm. Whose hands did it touch? Um, was it done in a way where people were safe and not being harmed? Right. Um, even some of the kinds. So we're, we're going to use cotton. We're going to dye it. Um, some of the farmers in Tennessee right now are going back to natural pesticides. Which is good. Yeah which is a big thing because what we don't think about is what it's doing to the soil, mm -hmm. especially kind because once you plant kind, it strips the nutrients out of all the soil. You can't really grow other crops there, um, which is why you'll go for miles and miles and miles in the south and it's only cotton. You're like, don't they eat vegetables <laughs> or collard greens, or, which are very good, by the way. I do miss those. Anybody know a good collard greens spot in Chicago? Let a girl know. Um, <laughs> um, but so going back to how it's not only affecting directly us, but mm -hmm. how it's direct affecting the community as a whole. And one of my friends runs a 
digital twin company here in town and they're really big into helping create green cities so like their videos are like they have plants all on the outside of the buildings and that's kind of what they're helping is it's a software to help build those kinds of things and when you hear them talk on speeches etc it's like why are we not going towards that like why are we investing in you know don't go down a rabbit hole but like fuel etc was making things clean and figure something out that way I think the argument is it's shifting away from the norm so people don't want to work on something new when something else is there. Like, don't break what's already... Don't break something that's not broken, whatever the phrase is, right? Yeah. But it is, like, broken because it's well, harming the environment. Yeah. I don't know if Ford, Carnegie, and uh, Rockefeller would agree <laughs> on that statement. But uh, I think maybe it's time to find that next generation that, that mm-hmm. is going to break the mold. Um, of course, it's easy to to keep doing what we're doing, but I think... As a generation, we're starting to lift up the rug a little bit and see what we swept under it mm-hmm. and realizing, oh, wow, the house is completely spotless except under the rug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I vacuumed it. Well, we all know. We don't get quite all the way. Um, so I think it's really good that we're starting this conversation and that we're, we're looking at different things and that we have people who collectively want to do these things and look at these things and have multiple industries that do different things start to work together. I think everything, like you said, fuel was fuel and food was food, but you need fuel to get the food to the people. Right. And there was kind of this disconnect of how it's so interlocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard plenty of things around this too, where it's like people are vegan for whatever decision, right? And then they go down the rabbit hole like, oh, they bring in these bees from Mexico to pollinate the avocados in California and all these bees die, but you're still eating avocados even though these bees die is feeding you. I mean, I don't, I don't like in that argument, right? But I'm just saying, I think a lot of people just kind of, they're almost like a cafeteria, you know, mm-hmm. where they go, I like this, this, and this, but they don't understand the whole concept. And I don't think anyone always understands everything, which is why I'm glad we're talking because I'm already learning a ton, but... <laughs> But fill me in more on kind of how all these concepts are applying to you and your business and your line that's kind of on the grow right now. So on the grow right now, so I've started to venture more into the technology side and mm-hmm. I've actually looked into, again, I met my tailor, amazing guy. Um, but my original concept was actually, I got the idea of watching a, a film on how they made Avatar mm-hmm. and um, the Lord of the Rings and Gollum. That, that suit with all those little dots on it yep. and what they use. But what if we could have a suit like that maybe at our local shop and you kind of get in it and now we have all your exact measurements. Interesting. So it doesn't matter where you are or maybe we send you the suit and as you're moving, we have your exact measurements and we can keep it in the database. So anytime you need something new or you, you want to change something, well, we have, we have your measurements. You don't have to come here. You're saving on on maybe driving to and from the shop every mm-hmm. time. And we're still able to give you that really beautiful tailored look. Right. I think it's super important like that it's it's made for you and we all feel comfortable in different ways. So maybe you like looser clothes or you like more fitted clothes or I remember when I tried on my first high pant um, or high waist pant, I was like, wow, my legs look so long. Because <laughs> my portions, why, why has everybody been telling me to wear low cut jeans? Um, 
I burned those photos, but the internet lives forever. Don't look them up. <laughs> um, but so now I found what fits me and what I feel good in. <clears throat> so having those exact measurements, then we can play with it a little bit. Um, and then also looking at 3D, uh, 3D printing and laser cutting. So um, uh, Bloom a few years ago was starting to work with 3D printing of natural materials. Okay, interesting. So again, if we're using your exact measurements, now we're just printing out each piece we need from CAD um, instead of taking a piece of fabric and trying to put all the pieces to fit best we can on one. So you're, again, saving that. So looking more into the IT process is what I've been going down the rabbit hole, if you will. Yeah, that seems really exciting. I think people are moving into like the metaverse and then the 3D printing, but I think just comprehending that people have your correct fits is like step one, right? For me, the last suit I bought, it was custom made. When I got it, I don't know what the issue was, but like on the back is never fit, fit well. And they tried to like adjust it, but then the tailor was like in Italy and whatever. I just kind of like dealt with it, but I'm like, did you take my measurements? Like, I don't think I changed that much in my body structure in like a month and a half. But then now it always just sits up like that and it's just kind of annoys the crap out of me. But my point is, if they would have known all my exact measurements from me specifically, not just I'm whatever, 44 long or something, that's like more applicable. I know we're going down the rabbit hole too, like everyone's like, you don't need everything to be custom, but it's just like, it's where tailoring comes in. As you understand, take something standardized-ish and then kind of get fit to you specifically. Yeah, and I think that also, again, goes back to what we were talking about earlier with sustainability. Maybe, maybe we're not thrifting, but maybe you've changed, your body shape has changed a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and we all we all have those pieces that we keep in the closet that don't quite fit because yep. we love them. But if you took them to a tailor, maybe you'd give them new life. So I think having a tailor is so important or having a seamstress. Um, if you find a really good piece made out of a really good quality that you know you're going to keep, so I always think of cost per wear, especially when I'm doing a big purchase. And I'm the type of person that I'm like, I love it, I need it, I have to have it. But we're going to wait a week and see if I still love it, need it, and have to have it. I usually do. Um, <laughs> and then I think about, am I really going to wear this? Or is it just something pretty and shiny? Mm-hmm. You know, Are we on Gulliver's Travels going, ooh, shiny, mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I think about cost per wear. Is what I'm putting into it going to be worth the lifetime I have it or the lifetime it's going to have? And maybe it's a little big. So I walked into a shop one day and there was this absolutely gorgeous dress. (laughs) I had nowhere to go. And I said, well, let's just play dress up. I go into the dressing room and I put it on and I walk out. And three or four women came up to me and they said, are you taking that dress? Because if not, I will. And I knew they said that because it was my dress. It fit me, it was the way I felt. Mm-hmm. It was made for somebody seven foot. As, as I mean, not yeah. really, but for somebody <laughs> very tall. Um, as, as you've seen, I'm very average height. I'm not short, but yeah. I'm not tall. Um, and I bought it anyway. I brought it to my tailor and we took some time because there was some need work in it and we shortened it and for most of my big events, when I really want to feel just like exude that, like, mm, it's me, I'm here, I wear that dress. And I've worn it several times, mm-hmm. and it went from a slightly expensive dress to now because of the way I feel in it. Um, I, for every cost, I think I've maybe spent 
$50, which, especially with fast fashion, oh, yeah. we are, we're buying clothes for an event. Mm -hmm. We're not buying it to add to a wardrobe or to wear it again, and we'll go and spend $100, $120 on an outfit and think nothing of it. But if you invest a little bit more and you wear it a few more times, you spend that same amount, but now you're creating a longer life and you're you're saving these pieces and you're not just throwing it away to be sent to Africa. <laughs> so on the flip side of that coin, right, because I think a lot of people enjoy fast fashion thinking they're going to invest $100, dollars for one event because they want to wear something different that people haven't seen before. How do you kind of see the opposite side of that where it's okay if the same people saw me wear, like, I wore the same pants you saw me last time. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, going back to my and shopping yeah. in Chateau Honey, which, again, is probably going to be my favorite place forever. Um, she taught me something when I was really young. She said, Marguerite, invest in your staple pieces. And they don't have to be expensive, but splurge on your accessories. You can wear the same black pant and top 10 times and it will look completely different if you wear a different shoe, if you put a different jacket on it, if you undo the collar a little bit and zhuzh it up with necklaces or maybe you put it all the way up and you do like a little um, brooch with it. So these pieces can look very different. I'm mm. sure we've all had outfits that we've had in our mind and we're like put them on and we're like... Maybe that was not the right thing to put together. Uh, but then we like, you know, we change an accessory. We have a scarf. We, we we do the dangly earrings instead of the short ones, and it feels different and it looks different. And I think again, it goes back to that confidence you're exuding. The the reality is, is people don't pay as much attention to you as we think. And That's fair. <laughs> and so we know exactly what we've worn and we know who's seen us and it because we're all keeping track. Okay, did I did yep. see me and am I going to look funny? Like, are they going to think I don't have anything to wear? Um, but I've had friends look at me and ask me, how expensive is your closet? Like, can we come play dress up? Yeah. And I said, of course. And they come into my closet and, and it's a very nice closet and I love it. And they kind of look around a little shocked. Like, I thought, I thought it was going to be like, like, you know, that scene from The Devil Wears Prada, like, here's the closet. <laughs> it's a rabbit hole. And I said, it's, it's not that much. Like, yeah. I'm almost disappointed. And then I said, it, it's not. But I said, yeah, that thing you complimented me on last week, you, you complimented me a month ago. And they said, you weren't wearing the same thing. Nope. And it was just, I styled it a little different. Mm -hmm. I, I was in a different atmosphere. Changing your shoes makes such a big difference. So invest in comfortable shoes and ones that you're going to wear time and time again buy that special watch that's that's going to change it and then also with the accessories changing what you do with them so it might be a brooch but maybe you take or maybe you have beautiful watches um i got very lucky and got two of the same watch one year and sometimes i wear them as cuffs mm -hmm. and it just it, it's this really fun thing and that's what people notice but i can wear the watch another time i'm yes. not wearing both of them all the time and they're not paying as much attention. You wear something a little more subdued. You decide which part of the outfit you want to accentuate, mm. accentuate which part of the outfit is going to shine, depending on the occasion, depending on who you're seeing. That makes sense. And I'd say majority of the time, people I know don't know that I've worn something more than once. But there's like three pieces that people always remember. One, I had a custom jacket made for my show last year, and it's 
uh, it's like a wraparound, uh, like Roman rib cage, like belt, and it's like folded. So there's no buttons or anything, and it's very, it's white and then all blue and silver. So it's very unique. And the other one is I have like a 3D jacket, and last time I wore it, so I wore it to like a, a, a metaverse event, and my friend goes, I saw you this last time. I'm like, last time I saw you was a year and a half ago. Like, you're not wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, also, <laughs> and then the other one, it's uh, you know just like something in classic that people are like, oh, I, I like this because like, like it's faux like snakeskin. Mm-hmm. I'm like, can I touch it? I'm like, you're already touching it, but yes, you're not touching. <laughs> it's like the party, like, oh my god, you're pregnant! Is yeah. this okay? Well, if it wasn't, you already did. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say I agree with ask for per, um, forgiveness over permission because we we're talking about earlier today. I was, you know, burned by that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know, exciting talk so far. We kind of see where you're heading. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with before we sign off? Um, I think just kind of remembering that we're all trying to put our best foot forward, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what budget you have or where you're going, if you feel good in it, nine times out of 10, that's what people see. They see the confidence, they see the feeling. And that's really what I want to bring with my company is not only the sustainability aspect, but I want the experience, I want the feeling, I want you to walk out of the store and even if you've worn it a hundred times, still feel like it's new. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's kind of my last send off. Just, just remember we're all humans and if you feel good in it, Awesome. Sign up for that. This episode is sponsored by Trendzapio. Collaborate with trendsetters and artists worldwide. Join the creative talent marketplace by showcasing your fashion and artistic intelligence. Trendzapio connects diverse talent from creative industries with brands that need fresh ideas. Showcase your projects, create your portfolios, and showcase your work in creative talent pools. Collaborate with industry peers and give life to your next big project. Hire on demand, create portals, post jobs, cast and promote talent. Let trendsetters find your projects. Transapio handles your onboarding needs. Build a network that works. Build a community of like-minded trendsetters and links with brands and businesses across the globe. Want to make your mark on Transapio? Go ahead and leverage the latest AI-driven technology that brings talent and opportunities into a seamless ecosystem. Join them to help make the next viral trend that will transform the world. Transapio. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) 